Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Michael Salavari, and today we are wrapping up the Super Super Sebring weekend, and with me I have the merry cans of the uh, Endurance Chat podcast, Cookie Monster FL, Austin Zetswin, and Chris Washer 97 Good evening for you guys, lads. Good evening. Howdy. Good evening you. Happy to bring some freedom into the Endurance Chat podcast. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Your side just said everything there, Austin. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> Super Sebring. Uh, qu- just quickly, what did we think? Chris, we'll start with you. Loved it. Loved it? Yep. Cool. Cookie, what about yourself? Loved it. Nice. Uh, you were there, weren't you? <laughs> uh, I was. Wow, good guess. Oh, amazing i can't believe that um tell us I know, you're like two for two right now yeah tell us about your experience at the track was the super sebring as super at the track as it looked on the broadcasts yeah it was uh the most crowded was ever i've ever seen it so I, I don't know of a time where it possibly could have been more crowded than it was uh and it got crowded pretty much from thursday onward which is nuts um i remember coming to the track 10 years ago and it was like you could still find places to camp pretty much on friday and most of the time a lot of that main strip in green park which is just like part of like a, almost a not a runway but like uh just an off-ramp kind of thing for it which is pretty still wide as it is they use it for the um the club track at sebring for the pit road uh that usually gets occupied friday night for like all the high schoolers and stuff that was packed by thursday like you Jeez. literally had to go all the way down cars were just packed already there i mean it was it was crazy. Um, so just by far and away, the the most crowded it's ever been there. Um, the weather was awesome. Um, it was threatening rain at the end of the weekend. It warmed up, but didn't really get too hot. Um, didn't really get too cold either. Uh, it was definitely a welcome uh, climate for me, at least, just being in a lot of cold cold weather races the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just being like constantly getting barraged with them, so... It was good to have a normal sea ring where you're not melting your face off, so or uh, or, or dying of uh, hypothermia, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, they had some new paved stuff in the infield, which was really cool. Um, we had some special guests come by the campsite. Uh, we're we're on the wall officially, second year in a row uh, next to turn ten, yeah. and uh, so that was awesome. And just uh, saying hi to old friends and enjoying pints of uh guinness in the in the maison blanche and yeah always always a an, an enjoying time uh mike you're gonna have to come out at some point oh yeah absolutely and uh thanks for the the video call like 20 minutes before the imsa race started i really enjoyed that uh yeah those... that, that's what we call a butt dial uh over here <laughs> uh, so yeah i it was crazy that i actually just decided to video call you too i was just like all right cool well let's do that i guess i guess the internet was terrible the entire weekend. I, I, I'm still like shocked that we we're able to get like. So I'm sure it's a whole different, you know, using up different data. But I was like, all right, we can do video chat. Let's uh, let's do it. I haven't been able to use my internet all week, so yeah, that was fun. Um, just as well, quickly, uh, you guys had a very particular campsite with like four big flag towers that had like the Toyota Gazoo Racing and the WEC and the old IMSA flags and even the r slash wec flag on there as well did you guys realize that you were on the broadcast like eight times between the wc and the imsa broadcasts uh no because we couldn't get the 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 any data to because i have a, like we have a tv on the at the campsite too so we were trying to get some of the stream up we couldn't get anything working like the entire weekend unless it was like somebody with a 
brand new 5G phone, something like that. Then we can kind of get connected. So, and I haven't even rewatched any of it yet either. So I need to check that out just to to see yeah. how it was. But we tried to be really obnoxious this year to hopefully uh, get some eyeballs. So if if, if that's the case, then we succeeded. It works. Chris, Chris and I will attest to this. You guys were on TV, like the, the campsite mm-hmm. was on TV like eight times. <laughs> and more, more importantly, my NASCAR Camping World Truck Series flag got a little nod on the broadcast as well. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll definitely have to check those out. If we got timestamps, let me know, guys. Let well, me know. yeah, there was, there, was um, one, there was one point where they were doing like the class wrap up during uh, the like you know how they do like the hourly updates in the WC broadcast where they'll show like the whole running order. They just did that yeah. with like your flags in the campsite in the background. Oh, that's great. Okay, like this is, this is great. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of screen caps in the next couple uh, couple weeks here for me as I rewatch all this stuff. Because yeah, I want to take some screenshots of that. There was uh, one of the best parts here of the weekend. Um, I think it was Thursday. We were all kind of hanging out. I think there was qualifying. WC qualifying was coming up or something. It was in between broadcasts, uh, and the guy on turn ten, the cameraman. Um, I don't know the guy. Like they have a whole scaffolding built now for him for like shade and stuff. Yeah, looks way less sketchy than it used to be. But for some reason, he just was like, "Okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to keep the camera pointed towards turn nine. I'm just going to start doing push-ups." So like, I don't even know when he started, but I just started noticing him do that. <laughs> so like, all of us are just standing there. I think like, uh, I think waiting for dinner or something like that. So I start yelling like from our campsite. I'm like, "One, two, three. So all of the guys, <laughs> like five of us, are like yelling, and the dude's like doing push-ups and stuff and then after like after he's done we all cheer and he's just like raising his hands and stuff like that i'm like all right cool we got to ham up the camera guy so he can you know sometimes wander over to our site every now and then so maybe that worked that's but yeah that, that was a lot of fun too he, he at least acknowledged us screaming at him <laughs> just looking at him doing that's push-ups. amazing that's hilarious uh one other final thing that you showed us about your campsite and the time down there was that you had a visitor at your campsite tell us a bit about having graham goodwin come down and hang out with you guys Oh yeah, the goofball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Talk about that. Oh, he's uh, no, he's awesome. Uh, we were saying before the we started recording, uh, or I was saying uh, that he's just yeah. Uh, a lot of the guys that kind of like loosely, not I don't want to say loosely follow sports cars, but they're not as hardcore as uh, some other other fans I know. Um, <laughs> that know. You know, like have heard of Graham Goodwin, uh, <laughs> but like they just kind of you know like seeing the uh, the actual editor of it and talking to him, and a couple of them are like, man, I, I can't believe he's 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 that weird like he's just like us he's like he's such a goofball kind of thing and i'm like oh that's the perfect description for him too because yeah he was uh he was awesome uh just awesome spirit um just kind of hanging out at the campsite you know and engaging with all of us um you know asking us personal questions that kind of thing and uh you know it, like showing that he cares he was even um you know being a champ fighting off some uh uh, a buddy of ours got a little too uh, toasted on alcohol that early in the afternoon, uh, but he now, was now, he was just, out just, holding just a conversation quick. that way too. That was great. Just just quickly, when you say toasted, are we talking like Chris waking up in the back of someone else's van, toasted, or um, just before that? Okay, okay. <laughs> so like Chris, uh, still on, the, the on the way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely by far setting has set the standard for. Uh, for escapades at Sebring. Let's just leave it at that. Chris, uh, you got, you've got like, you're like hall of fame in terms of our <laughs> campsite right now, man. Like amazing. not even a question. Amazing. Uh, fantastic. Oh, it's great to hear that you had an awesome weekend and it looked uh, from uh, like my perspective watching it as well, that it looked like 
you're right. The, the place looked absolutely packed. And some of the uh, aerial shots we got of just like how packed the facility was, the campgrounds, the the parking and everything, it was kind of wild. So yeah, hot, hot damn. I have a quick question. Did you guys see any bubbles at all near turn 10? <laughs> I was trying I, to spray them a lot. And I, and I don't think it was really possible to see unless they're going really slow, but there was uh, definitely some... Yeah, I can't say I saw them on the, uh, any broadcast over the weekend. Okay. We had them going pretty well for the Mitchell Pilot Sport Challenge. Like, we could, we definitely knew that they were going on track, like, past them, and the marshals didn't care. Like, half the time, they were just laughing at it. So there's just, like, there's a few times where the wind was right, bubbles just flying on the track, like, literally. And then at night, too, if I'd have them on and the wind was blowing, the the overhead lights would, like... You could see it. It looked like it, it literally looked like it was either pollen or it was like snow because it was just Aww. like slowly flowing through the the light and stuff. It was crazy. Oh, that's but that's uh, yeah, wonderful. yeah. So it was like all around turn ten. Uh, I even ran out of juice like on Thursday, so ordered an uh, Amazon delivery to a local vendor in Sebring, downtown Sebring. So I went and go and picked up some bubble juice from Amazon on Friday. So that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I'll have to. I'll have to go back and, and have a look and see if I can see anything. Yeah, we were trying to slick the track up in turn ten, but if you do see any bubbles ever on any of the the rebroadcasts of that of this year's Super C Ring, it probably came from our campsite. So, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, cool. So we should actually talk about some racing now, and I want to do something a little bit different. I wanted to talk. Uh, we'll talk about WC first. Let's just give a you know because this is the first time we've seen like hypercar in its fully fledged lmh lmdh combined form with you know what we had 11 entrants in the the super sebring uh or the eight hours or the thousand miles which never gets to a thousand miles but eight hours um i wanted to give a bit of a report card on where all of the manufacturers and the competitors kind of stack at the moment after we've seen them at the prologue and at round one uh so that's what we're going to do today to start with and we'll start with the the guys right off the bat. They've been doing this now for 10 years. And you can tell that they're doing it for 10 years because they were the the class of the weekend. Toyota Gazoo Racing. Is there anything that Toyota can do wrong? Because they seem to just be doing everything right still. Not really. I mean, they what they had was a perfect race. I mean, you, you take a look at the results. They won by, what, two laps? Yeah. And that was the case of just everyone was just making mistakes and Toyota... And apart from maybe that emergency stop in the middle of the race for Toyota, I can't remember which uh, one it was. They ran, they ran flawlessly. I mean, we had the pit stop mishaps from AF Corsa in the first, what was it, the first safety car period or the first full Corsa period mm-hmm. that kind of messed things up from their end. Uh, Cadillac and Porsche, they just uh, they just weren't up to the pace on on for Toyota. So it really like Toyota has I, I it kind of frustrated me because there there is people like oh people said Toyota are gonna have competition they do it's just everyone else messed up <laughs> and and from what I, what we've seen from Sebring and Sebring is really let's be honest it's quite an anomaly compared to the rest of the calendar I mean compared to what we saw at Sebring AF Corsa can challenge Toyota they just need to stop messing up 
Uh, and I think that's an important point you make, Chris. Uh, we saw, we'll talk a bit more about Ferrari uh, a bit later on, but uh, they were certainly challenged, but the advantage that Toyota Gazoo Racing has over everyone else at the moment is that they've been doing this for 10 years. You know, they, they started in the World Endurance Championship in, what, 2012? So they've had a long time to get these processes in place. Uh, Cookie, from the track, what did it look like from your perspective? What did the Toyotas have over everyone else? Um, consistency, reliability, probably experience. Uh, I mean, they didn't look like they were that much quicker than everybody else, but they were just there all the time, consistently like hammering away lap times, overtaking lap cars, just um, executing strategy and pit stops. Um, <clears throat> visually, the the thing that I noticed that I didn't see live on TV was Sunset Bend, turn 17, um, halfway through that corner, they have that uh, that exit cam that kind of looks at all the cars, and you just saw how smooth the Toyotas were, and everybody else, without a question, was chattering. Um, or at least the you know suspension was not super happy and comfortable. The Toyotas just looked unreal. I mean, they just uh, like um, you know people say definitions of on rails. Like if you wanted to actually see mm. that definition in in reality, like that's what like the Toyotas look like because of how insanely bumpy Sebring is like the cars look like they were on a normal um, purpose-built racetrack, at least to my observation um, looking at turn 17, just visually. So from that end, it was just like, okay, well, unless the Ferraris are, are making crazy amounts of pace, like that can't be necessarily the greatest on their wear tire wear. And we kind of did see that play out with their, um, with their double stints, not necessarily being as, on the pace as the Toyotas were too. So, uh, you know, obviously they had issues with, um, you know, we'll talk about AF course and Ferrari later, but obviously aside, I still think the Toyotas had the, you know, yeah. easily had the pace, especially with their tire management to control the field. Had AF course and not kind of messed up their to pit strategy early, I yeah. guess, if you want to say it was messed up. So, and so very dominating though. It was yeah, very dominant. Yeah. So in that, what would we give Toyota if we were going to give them a grade? Like A A plus or just an A? A. A? a? <clears throat> so we're yeah, very, I mean, very, ha- very happy. Executed to flawlessly. Yeah. 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 Big tip. Um, a of Corsa, we mentioned them. Surprise pole position. We've we got to say that there was no expectation for anyone other than Toyota to take pole position based on what we saw in the prologue and what we saw in practice. Surprise pole position for, I think it was Forco behind the wheel. What a drive that was. Didn't quite materialize in the race. They were in a competitive position, but as we made mention, lacking consistency. And then there was that accident as well uh, that uh, one of the drivers had. I think it was, was it Collado had? Where they mm. um, crash, mm. crashing into the, um, the, the lap cars coming into the pits. Um, that yeah, I think it was Collado. Their chances. Um, yeah. So where, where do we see Ferrari? Uh, we'll go again, Chris first. How, how would you rate Ferrari's weekend? I, I think there's really some uh, great potential there. Like, obviously, we've seen qualifying, and I don't think it was too surprising. I, I figured the the way they're doing it in practice, because they were taking it to Toyota in the practices. Um, and obviously, you know, practices, you know, don't read much into times, but compared to what we've seen in qualifying, they the signs are there. On pace, I think before the pit stops, I think we've seen... Oh, it's only in the short burst that they can keep up with the Toyotas. Um, I, I, what I'm really curious on seeing is the long-term pace. 
So hopefully, you know, maybe without a pit stop mishap when they're on the same tr- piece of track, I'm curious to see on the long-term pace and see how Ferrari fares against Toyota on that. Mm. Uh, I figured um, brand brand new car at Sebring, I, I figured not the best way it could have happened for them, but I mean, it wasn't, they got, they got pole and that that's something they could celebrate and they, and it shows that they have at least the speed to take, to take on Toyota. So I, I think, uh, maybe like a B, maybe like a B, B plus in that regard, considering maybe the result wasn't what they hoped, but for what we've seen, they can, uh, definitely go for the gold. Yeah, and, you know, they took a a podium as well in their first race. Admittedly, they were two laps down, uh, but still, a podium in their first race in a new category with a new car at the top of sports cars. That's a pretty impressive result, Cookie. Yeah, I don't don't foresee anybody really looking at this and saying that that Ferrari um, walked away unhappy with their weekend. I, I do think... Probably internally, they knew that they probably had a little bit faster car than people realized. But I mean, I don't think really anybody saw their pace uh, be um, kind of at the front of the field, really um, out the gate that quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that this is a, that was a great weekend for them. I, I would also give them a B. Um, I would really say that um, they're in a good spot. Like it's it's tough because at the same time like there's still a hill to climb and it's not like toyota are vulnerable at at least right now um but for the round opener for what they had at sebring there's definitely going to be more tire wear there um they definitely had a little bit more heat to contend with than they did um at the prologue than earlier in the week for practices so you know in, in terms of having an ideal weekend. I don't think they did that. And obviously their strategy sucked, (laughs) (laughs) but beyond that. Yeah. I mean, they have a, they have a lot to be proud of to look forward to uh, because I I think it'll probably, at least for this year, look like it's going to be Ferrari and um, Peugeot kind of fighting to go with the Toyota. Um, I, I, there's a sleeper aspect with Peugeot. We'll get into that. I actually have, I, I have lots of hype for them, okay. uh, weirdly enough. So, we'll, uh, we'll, but yeah. We'll get into that a little later. I just want to quickly wrap up on Ferrari by talking about the incident into the pit lane uh, for... I, we, I think we decided that it was Colato. Um, and if it wasn't Colato, <laughs> I sincerely apologize. It's, but... it's Colato. I don't care. It's Colato. <laughs> We're rewriting um, history. So, so if you haven't seen it, the situation was uh, Colato tried to make a move around the outside of a GT car through, I think it's 1314, uh, the double sweeping left-hander, which kind of rolls into the entry of pit lane. Um, I think the, the GT car didn't quite see him, moved out. There was a little bit of contact that put the, uh, the Ferrari onto the inside concrete, locked the wheels, and it basically went, went straight across the track at turn 15 and I think ended up just clipping another car as well. Broke the suspension, broke a bunch of the bodywork, uh, and, you know, took a long time to repair in the pits. Um, is that a... LMH is slower than it used to be, so cars are not used to being passed that much. Is that a Sebring pit entry problem because that's not the normal pit entry and it's temporary? Or is that just a, you know, multi-class crash that happens when you try and get cars of different paces running at different parts of the track? We'll go Cookie. Cookie's opinion first. Cookie's thoughts first. Cookie, Cookie. Okay. Me, 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 me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think 
it, there might have been some cold tire aspect too with it potentially, um, or at least like how because I know Collado had made mention too of the, uh, the the tire ban or the tire warmer ban. Yeah, <laughs> the tire ban. That'd be funny if there was a tire ban. <laughs> no tires, no tires. Um, it's yeah, craft only. <laughs> Squares. Uh, so yeah, I. I don't know. I, I, I do think that there's some speed difference difference. I do think, too, that we're talking about a lot of GT experienced, uh, like, ex-drivers that are now stepping into prototypes, sometimes for not necessarily the first time, but, like, still getting comfortable and used to the uh, extra braking power and horsepower that they got, uh, you know, under the hood kind of thing. So, I don't know. I I mean... It's not necessarily like the trickiest pit entrance to nail, but it also can be deceiving if you're really right behind somebody and they all of a sudden pull in. And with the slower corner speeds of the hypercars, especially with the bumps, um, there could just genuinely have been a scenario where a GT car had a wide entry and then had a sharp uh, exit and the uh, Ferrari was just kind of starting to slow down gently into the pits and they just had, you know, similar exit speeds, uh, which definitely probably would not be this case if they were an LMP1H, mm. but I don't know. Like, nothing really that crazy, um, I, in my opinion, like, needs to be looked at with it. I, I just thought it was a kind of a freak racing accident when it came to that. Yeah. Um, Chris, if you're the GT car in that situation, I believe it was the uh, the other AF Corsa car? Uh, one of the, yeah. the number 15? The Vista yeah, the Vista Jet car. Vista Jet car? What? Yeah, the the silver AF Corsa Ferrari. Yes, yes. So the, uh, I think that is the number fifty four. Um, if you're the if you're the uh, the GT driver in that situation, and you've got a a hypercar on your outside, and you're trying to get into the pit lane, like what what can you do? I, it, it's it's tricky because the the way the pit lane entry in because uh, basically you have a section of corners where you take a you go right, then um, you go right, then left, then right. So there's 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 switching of the lanes, regarding because they're obviously all the drivers are going to go through the optimal line. And when you're coming at such speed, when you have a car, you know, going into the pit lane, maybe a little bit slow, it could be you know tough to either uh, make a make that decision to just go somewhere else or you know avoid it. It's. And also, it was Perguidi uh, that was involved in that oh, crash. Not- there you go. Sincere so, apologies um, to James Collado. I, 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 me personally, I think maybe they should utilize. I know there might be um, currently some walls that are in the way, but I can't. But it's basically the uh, third, the, the third corner till the back stretch, where there's just a, a ton of concrete on the inside. And I'm like, maybe in the future, you know, they utilize more of that concrete. So maybe, uh, so cars can have a, basically get off track a sooner hmm. and be further away from the racing line. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult sort of problem, uh, especially when we've got basically two flagship categories racing at the same weekend. You know, normally you, uh, the WC, if they were racing 
at Sebring would use the main pit lane. But of course, they can't do that when IMSA's there. So it's a bit of a, a complex situation. Um, we'll leave that one there. We'll talk about our next uh, hypercar uh, category car. And it'll be the first of the LMDH machines. We'll talk about the Cadillac. So the Cadillac seemed to have the better of the pace of the LMDH cars. Uh, finished up in fourth place on the same lap as the AF Corsa Ferrari that took third. Uh, pretty impressed with Cadillac throughout the course of the weekend. Um, from a one-car operation... Uh, for the first time that they're using the WC tires and the you know the rules around the pit uh, the, sorry the tire warmers and all the other things about WC that's different to IMSA, not a bad run for them. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Cadillac? We'll go Cookie first this time around. Uh, solid B. I'm, I might even go B plus with them. So, so. Even, even though that they weren't uh, at the outright pace of the Ferrari, which you gave a B to, um, yep. you're still still rating them about the same or even higher. Uh yeah yeah why not uh they they it's a one car uh uh team and it's LMDH uh I still don't you know you know we don't I don't have enough data to suggest if LMDH is a little slower in general than LMH so um I I think it was for for what they should like leave super Sebring with I would say that you know they would get a B plus just from kind of. I don't know. They they seem competitive, or at least like fighting the best of the rest for a lot of the race. Um, they're mixing up in the field, and again, it just seems like whenever there's an IMSA or WC switchover, especially in the GT categories, it just seems like it's really difficult to get right on the uh, right on the pace. But they seem like they were on it, and um, you know, if BOP gets adjusted a little bit their way, they might have a shot, and they're bringing another car. Uh, for Spa too, so you know who knows. I I, I thought it was um you know it was solid. They didn't really have any any issues or any embarrassments or anything like that. It was just you know like it, it wasn't necessarily they didn't have the pace, but like I'm not gonna rate everybody's weekend based on if they had Toyota pace because everybody yeah. has good Fs. So wow, <laughs> Cookie throwing up punches. Uh, what about you, uh, Chris? You sa- satisfied with where Cadillac are at the moment? I, I think I am. I think it's a very capable car, what we saw at Sebring. It gave us great entertainment, battling with the Porsche and Ferrari alike. Um, and fourth out of 11 hypercars, that's not too bad. And also, uh, if we're going to compare to their IMSA performance, because if I remember correctly, the uh, LMDHs across both WEC and IMSA had the same BOP, oh, okay. if not very but, uh, and we see the O one Cadillac dominate Sebring the twelve hours before they had you know engine or not a cargo kaboom it got caught on fire, but then the Action Express Cadillac came and uh, albeit through some shenanigans like I mean uh, got the win at Sebring for the twelve hours so Cadillac very capable car I think uh, once we get the Portimao and Spa I I think we're gonna see very a very very capable uh, uh piece of piece of kit. Cool. Uh, they, yeah, as we mentioned, finished fourth. Um, they were kind of, I don't want to say anonymous, but I think that's, you know, kind of where you want to be when you're fir- if you're first race out. Like, unless you're, like, really pushing out the front like Ferrari was for stretches, if you're just there and you get through to the end and you get a good result, I think that's a good a good result. So I'll give them a solid B for that one. And, and the important bit, but apart from, you know, disregarding the uh, non-hybrid cars, they, they were the only ones without a teammate. Without yeah. a second, so they couldn't share 
they could go like they could go maybe to uh the IMSA side of things and be like, hey, what was and let's compare and contrast that way. But in terms of same series, same time going on track, they didn't have anybody to really have that with compare information. They were on their own. So I think just on their own doing that with Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, they know what they're doing. Portermount, Spa, and Lamar, because uh, they're utilizing the same BOP asterisk for now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's going to be very interesting to see how the, the Cadillac goes on from there. Awesome. Uh, the next of the LMDH cars were the Porsches. Now, they big things were expected of the Porsches. They seem to be solidly mid-pack, and then they seem to fall away pretty quickly from where we were expecting them. They finished four laps down on the leaders, and that was with both cars. Where do we rate Porsche's start in the World Endurance Championship with the 963? We'll go Chris this first time. Yeah, definitely less impressive than Cadillac. Uh, it, just pure pace. They gave us some great battling um, for the midfield positions. But like, yeah, like you said, the tire fall off. It seems like they couldn't just defend their position any, like at a long stint. So that's going to have to be something they're going to have to uh, keep in mind and work on. Although it seemed like maybe in, in the IMSA race, they didn't have that problem as much. They were even contending for the fight at the fight at the end hmm. uh, for the win. Because so in terms of LMDH only, if we're just going to place it in an LMDH box, it it has the pace. It's just maybe for the longer stints, it might not be the best uh, car out there right now. So I mean, it may be like a B minus because it's not it's not a bad car. It's just it's only we've we've only seen well we've seen three races with it now. Yeah. But we've seen some improvements. I mean, Daytona obviously they had some electrical issues, and you know some 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 even skill issues during the night. Oof. Sebring, uh, WEC, they weren't really on the pace as much. Then IMSA Sebring, you can argue maybe there's outside factors. You know, like it was a attrition race or whatever. But they were up there at the end, um, competing for the win. So. I I've, I see that as a general improvement. I'm uh, like like Cadillac. I'm excited to see what Portobello and Lamar bring, and Spa. And, and for Porsche as well, they got both of their cars home in the top five, or top six rather, ahead of all of the LMP2s, uh, and without major incident or issue besides you know the tires falling off. Cookie, do you think Penske will be satisfied with where they're at at the moment, or do you think that they're going to be looking for something to to improve over the course of the next few races? I mean, I don't. I've never seen a Penske satisfied face, or you know, a satisfied face on Penske before. That would probably be creepy if he was like satisfied ever. But no, I don't think he's satisfied. They got a C, C plus probably. So, I mean, they, they, it's got too much Mazda in it right now. Oof! Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I thought, I, and I did think Porsche was going to nail the LMDH, but I don't know, man. This is uh, that car is that car is jittery. It uh, it doesn't really like to it, it likes to to point forward, but a lot of times that point forward just wobble a little bit. Like that thing, it's a it's quick, but like it's a handful too. So I is, don't know. Is that a, is that I a, don't know. Is that a Sebring problem or is that a chassis problem? Do you think? No, In your it's professional a amateur problem. opinion. My amateur opinion is a chassis problem. Okay. At least for right now, it looks like. 
because you know like the ferrari looks kind of similar in terms of how much about but it just looks just more planted like it just looks like the car is able to just plant itself and go whereas the porsche kind of seems like it's riding on top of the road more yeah than normal you know yeah and that might sound if you if you're not a fan of cars and racing and sports cars that might sound a bit dumb because like all of the cars are on top of the road at all times but it's about it's about how the car sort of settles on the road right is that what you're getting yeah 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 especially with the bumps uh just because you you know you if you've been there enough there's you could just tell when fast cars handle you know certain places better than others and you can just tell the speed so um not to say that they don't know how to produce speed and whatnot it just seemed like they were they were having to you know uh you know they they were having to sacrifice calm and smooth driving sometimes a little bit at least for how the car looked visually bouncing so yeah so we're giving we're giving porsche a c at this point yeah i mean didn't uh, i mean they uh well they both cars what didn't one car have an issue or am i uh thinking of the wrong race here uh well both cars finished four laps off the pace so right so maybe yeah i'm thinking okay so yeah I, i i mean I would definitely say from a Porsche standpoint, I mean, they basically entered in 2014 and then left in 2017 and, you know, pretty much dominated, won everything. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I I definitely did expect them to kind of come in and at least just kind of more or less dominate LMDH because I still personally believe LMH is the better platform, Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I definitely did expect them to be at the top of the LMDH. So to see to see them not near it is uh, surprising. We'll see what happens uh, come Portmail in two weeks' time. Let's go back to LMH and a sorry story of the weekend were Peugeot. They had the last classified car of the field uh, finishing 26 laps down. And their other car was a retirement after 141 laps, which was 98 laps less than the leader. Uh, That car did not look happy in the prologue, in practice, in qualifying, in the race. What on earth was going on at Peugeot? B minus. B B minus? (laughs) Yeah, why not? They, uh, I mean, okay, the the weekend itself was terrible, but... That car is like is is going to be quick, like that car is going to be quick if they can just figure the reliability out. And honestly, again, it's just so hard for me to actually say like their car is unreliable because it's still Sebring, and I I don't know, but I I have a weird feeling that they're going to be very very good come Spa and Le Mans. Like that car is going to scare people. Um, so we'll see. Is this I just I. What? Is this going to be like the the um the the Nissan where like it's it's trash or doesn't even get anywhere and then all of a sudden it's supposedly great but then it's still trash? Maybe, but I I just I, I think the way that the that car seems to be work to actually work well it suits Le Mans it suits, it suits Spa like Sebring is the absolute worst track for that car to do anything at like I, I like uh, I I don't know I mean they definitely were not happy <laughs> like that car is not happy and it makes sense because it doesn't have a rear wing it has it has one 
It has a, it does it in a different way, but that is a ground effect car more than any other car on the grid. Yeah. And I just like unless they are doing Toyota levels of suspension work where that car does not move at all over any single bump, that is just not going to make that car work well. So it completely doesn't surprise me that they that they were like out right. of creek. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I just if they if they completely uh, crap the bed next round, then we'll talk about, you know, then I'll I'll start eating crow about it. But I have a I have an inkling suspicion that they're going to they're we're going to be talking about them a lot this year. So, I mean, we'll probably talk about them a lot and how disappointed we are. So Cookie's obviously delusional. Oh, okay. Obviously delusional. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll see. Chris, uh what were your thoughts? Can we have a bit more of a measured take here? Um, they, of course, haven't tested, it, hadn't tested at Sebring before. Didn't run last year. Uh, their first time at the track was the prologue. Had gearbox linkage issues or something along those lines for a lot of the race. Peugeot, where would we rate them? Right. Uh, yeah, th- those gearbox issues are exactly right. And uh, some news breaking from between uh, uh, Sebring and now. Uh, they're going to switch from what I believe to be a electric gearbox control to a hydraulic gearbox control, and that change will take into effect as soon as Portimao. So we'll get to see the newest uh, upgrade to their car in terms of trying to uh, to sustain the reliability. That's going to be interesting to see. I, I think I agree with Cookie. I think we're going to I think we're going to wait to see until Portimao, because Portimao that that's uh, that surface. I mean, that's an FIA Grade One track. Like that, that's that's smooth as a baby's bottom. So if they have uh, <laughs> If they have problems with Portimao, then then we're gonna have to talk if if the car if the car maybe even the concept is well even then the concept is more suited to straight to straight line you know like the most on straight like like Cookie is referring to but still I think if the things go south in Portimao or if there's no noticeable improvement I I think then is the time to maybe really get into the into a discussion on uh, their uh the competence of their reliability yeah the the issue i have with Peugeot at the moment you know besides their car being slow is that the the reliability is not something that they seem to have gotten on top of you know they they had they had problems at monza they had problems at uh the other races at the end of last season they had problems here so it's it's Mm-hmm. concerning and of course it's easier to make a fast car reliable than a reliable car fast but right it's an endurance championship and if you can't make it to the end then you're going to be in trouble i would give them a fail mark for the weekend but we'll see what happens come portamau and and if i remember at bahrain they were like if you when we see the start of the race they were somewhat keeping on tabs with the toyotas so, so the car is capable it's just it just needs to fix its reliability. That's that's all it needs. Just where it's so easy. I, I just yeah. want that thing to work, especially because of the fact yeah. that like the window in which it's operating in, like there's it's 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 for sure known, like from people that know what they're talking about, that the regulations specifically allow this car to work well in the window that it's given. And some of the people that are that are like like intimately involved with some of this stuff that aren't working with the teams, but are observing and have to deal with this stuff are kind of like scratching their heads as to why others didn't go the Persia route either. Mm. So, which is surprising to me because it's just like, it is an outlandish concept, but at the same time, it, it does feel very, very similar to the Nissan GTR LM project where 
It what their focus wasn't on winning every single round of the World Endurance Championship. It was specifically to go win the Ma. And if they can get this concept to work, especially like in the way that it seems like it does work really well, it which it should run well at Le Mans, like we this this could be a whole thing of like, well, they're just not going to run well here, but yeah. we know where they're going to run well at, kind of thing. So we'll see. That's uh, that, that's you know. fair enough. And yeah, for for a ground effect car to work, you need like that envelope underneath the car to remain super duper consistent, and that does not jive well with. You know, eighty-year-old concrete. The, the worst, the worst track ever made, or something. Exactly, right? the right, worst Mike? track ever made. When you resurf- when resurfacing a track would make it literally awful, then you know you've done. Anyway, that's another conversation. LMH will finish up with the Glickenhaus and with the Floyd Van Roll Wall Racing Team. Floyd Van, the the Van Roll made it to the finish uh, as the second to last classified car. Uh, were 24 laps down, uh, and the Glickenhaus did not make it to the finish. They retired after about two hours with uh, with intermittent problems that became slightly less intermittent and slightly more permanent. Um, let's go with Glick first. Uh, they didn't test much over the off season. They did it. Turned oh. their traction control off in the in the prologue because they were trying to figure out what the heck was going on with the new tires. Is the is the dream over? Is the dream coming to an end? I, I think it is. I, I know it seems like it's the boy that cries wolf story every year. It's like, oh, it's you know it's their last year in WEC. I, I really think it is. I, they, the fact that they didn't even test at all over the last year, I think they're running into the, some money problems. I think they, re, they were really hoping on some more customer cars and getting the money for the program that way, and that's clearly not happening. Uh, so... Judging from what we're seeing, I I I think I I think I'm comfortable saying that after WEC Monza, that's probably the last we'll see Glick in the WEC. I think they're gonna be uh, I think because obvi- when they when they entered, the competition was thin. They had much more chances of capitalizing on success, uh, getting podiums and you know getting poles like we saw in, in years prior. But now that we have all these manufacturers coming in, the I, I'd imagine the BOP, like we saw in Sebring, is not going to be as kind to them as we saw in the past. Mm. So I, 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 I do think this will be the last time we see them in the WEC in hypercar. They could possibly uh, do that GT3 program they've been talking about, and I hope they do. Because I I do think they'll have more success and make more money that way, and uh, hopefully, and they're not even racing at the Nurburgring this year. Yeah, that is so a I, shame. I I so I think I I take that as a sign that they're putting all of their money and more in the hypercar program and hoping something sticks. But uh, yeah, I I think the dream is over. Uh, what about what are your thoughts, Cookie? That, that's a beautiful looking car, but it's not got any much else going for it at the moment. No, what Chris said, pretty much. Okay. Uh, he made all the major points. I mean, it's yeah, they didn't test. Um, the reliability isn't there. Like, there's just they can't they can't finish a race consistently on pace. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're the the dream was over when they couldn't get a customer to buy a car. Like, as soon as they couldn't do that, and then they also couldn't consistently field two cars. Like, it was over. There's just um, they just needed a backer to then come in which is, you know, becomes way more remote after you've kind of, like, dropped your first deadlines of, mm-hmm. you know, announcement of the car. And, you know, like, if they would have had three cars at some point on the field, on the grid, I think they would be in a way better position now than they would they would have been. But 
because they could only field two, and those were both basically quote unquote factory cars. I they just nothing really, you know, happened, and they had opportunities to win races, but reliability bit them. So, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, um, even if they had the opportunity to win again this year, I don't trust the reliability not to bite them in the butt again, and you know, uh, not give them that first win that they were looking for. The, the second car at Le Mans is a customer car. But that's only for Lamont. The, the, the customer only wants to race it for Lamont. So they're yeah. only paying for Lamont. The rest, that they're spending on their own dime. Mm. That, um, and apparently, um, Maxi Gutz was going to race a, with the second Glicken House and bring over BWT sponsorship. So we possibly could have seen a pink Glicken House. But uh, <laughs> the, results, the, the results at Sebring, uh, there's some suggestions that maybe that deal has fallen through, unfortunately. So... We're gonna have to wait and see on that, but yeah, like I uh, as as the kids as as the kids say, it's Jover. I hate it. Inside <laughs> oh, um, that though, uh, Clicking House did get car- both cars to the end of Lamar twice, including taking a podium. So you know the program isn't a complete failure, but yeah, that is a little bit of a shame. What about Van Wall? Um, they were slow. The car looks weird, and they ran into problems. What what what, what do we think? C minus. C minus. They're going to pass. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's great. Uh, Compared to what we've seen from them in the past, let me just, let me just say that. But like, I think. Dude, even compared to Glickenhaus. Yeah. yeah, Like they, they, the only problem we've seen from that car was like the first hiccup in uh, free practice three. The rest of the time, the car from what I've seen, seemed to never have any issues it just kept it, obviously as a non-hybrid it's not going to be up to the pace of the other hypercars but it kept chugging along and kept capitalizing on other people's misfortune it it was it, it was it was a capable car it was reliable it which finished, you need to finish endurance rounds it finished 24 laps down it was yes. in the pits for three hours well what do you what do you want from what do you want from us we're giving grades it, works. Laps down. <laughs> it was in the pits because it's the car snapped on the end of turn 17. It wasn't like it, it could have been. I mean, Jock Villeneuve was in the car, so it easily could have been driver error. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yes. Uh, like, but it's it's the same thing as uh, well. We we haven't seen the Ferraris race yet. So, you know, like. They could have been like they're not on the pace of the Toyotas, and I'm not going to discount them for their pace yet. Like oh, okay, this okay. is just like a lot of this too is like this is the first time we're seeing these cars on track, and especially with the Van Wall, they've had like minimal testing. At least I mean they don't have minimal testing, but they damn sure don't have a lot of testing on that car. And I was impressed to see him show up at Sebring, their first race with that thing, and do pretty decently with it. So I'm okay with it. Okay, okay, whatever. You guys are, as I said, delusional. We're being um, nice, man. Yeah, we're being delusionally nice. It's delusionally take advantage nice. of this. Too kind. Um, so, uh, yes, as we may mention, they finished the second to last classified car. That's fine. That's fine. They did beat Peugeot, so, you know, they did win something there. And apparently Peugeot gets a B plus for some god-awful reason. So, you know, whatever. Um, I'm jumping on that hype train now, so you better watch out. I'm like, <laughs> I've jumped on, I'm a Toyota fan, I'm a Ferrari fan, and apparently now I'm a Peugeot fan. So best watch out, because I'm just going to like every single car in the hypercar you field. Just, until You just, you uh, just and... want everyone to have a nice, wonderful time. I like storylines, man. Get yeah, out of here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Storyline, brief storyline, LMP2. We saw uh, the Hertz team, Jota, come through and win that race uh, pretty impressively. It must be said, they beat United Autosports and Prema uh, on the podium. So, well done them. Uh, Dorian Penn get a, gets a podium. Well done um, for her. Um, we'll skip talking about LMP2 because uh, we've got plenty There's more There's so much stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, we're already like running behind here. <laughs> we are. Uh, question uh, as we wrap up the WC: Was GTE Pro missed? No, no. Chris, I think a GTE Pro class is always welcome, but like uh, the, the the competition in GT uh, in GTE was fine. Like there wasn't a point where like, well, this race was much better with the GTE Pro class. Yeah, so I I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it was fine. Uh, Cookie, do you want to elaborate on your your no very quickly? Thirty seconds. I partially with Chris, but yeah, I, I just uh, at this time right now, like I, I just don't like I, I don't need to see any more GT three in my life, even though we will be soon. But um, like, there's I, I just didn't feel the need that I needed to see an immediate GT uh, like a pro pro class GT battle at the moment. All the GTM battles were awesome and fine, and they were interesting on their own. They had enough storylines by themselves. Speaking of storylines. Uh, first ever GTM race for a brand new Corvette C8, not one of the ones from the Pro Program, but a, a brand new car. Uh, ben Keating jumps into it with uh, Nicola Verona and Nick Katzberg and just takes a win, like like we expect from Ben Keating at this point. Yeah, American know-how. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, and if you watch the full access that was just posted on the WC YouTube channel, I love that one of the first themes is literally just Ben Keating with someone on an air bar- airboat. And like, oh, this is powered by you know, you know, big displacement, big power. It's like, oh, this is this is America, baby. <laughs> God damn it! God. And getting an airboat. He's gonna he's gonna start an airboat dealership up soon. You know that. It's coming. <laughs> yep. uh, okay. You can't run from it. That was the. Uh, dump- oh. Oh. Nope. I, I, can't do it. The the Cor- the Corvette. It would have been. I I think it would have been much much closer. Uh, if. The Iron Dames didn't go off at the end of turn one and uh, just have the rear of the car just fall off after. Yeah, yeah. The gr- I, I wanted that to qualifying make- lap was awesome. Yeah, it's- awesome in DTM. We were we were like hollering in our camps that watching that shit. Like that was awesome. Sarah Bovi is kind of ridiculous as a bronze driver. Yeah. That was that was incredible. <laughs> And turn I, 17 exits with the with the dust like kicking up every time everybody's like why is she doing that and it just grabs pole like this is awesome i when Incredible. when when that ripped the entire diffuser and rear end off that car i so desperately wanted to make the joke and i'm going to make it now but i'm going to add context so that way i don't get like destroyed by people on the internet Uh-oh. um when when the same thing happened to the pro Porsche a few years ago, I, I was making jokes. There was plenty of jokes going around that it was like, oh, Porsche upskirt picks because it ripped the whole diffuser off and you could see all the way into the engine bay. And I was about to make that joke in the live chat. It's like, oh, Iron oh, Dave's... Oh, can't say that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> can't say that. Um, but no, the, like that pole lap was amazing. They were really quite competitive and it was unfortunate that they had that problem. Um, and quickly, another problem uh, for a car in GT... Uh, GTM uh, was it uh, Lewis Perez Combinac putting the car on its roof yep. after like three laps that was a bit yep, terrifying that- uh, the second lap actually he like got target fixated with the first uh, with the first two cars battling and then just mm. like missed his breaking point by like at least a mile and <laughs> just sent it off into T1 exit like nuts yeah <laughs> that is tire it- wall has flipped like eight cars over the last like well, seven years it feels like <laughs> okay let's uh, 
Oh, this was raised by Kiwi Chris in our pre pre discussion. We're gonna quickly divert and we'll get what what's the time now? We've got literally two minutes to talk about this. Okay. Why are cars getting flipped onto their roofs at that tire barrier? Because it doesn't just happen once. As you said, it's happened like six or seven times in the last four years. Like I hate I hate I'm gonna say this, but because it isn't paved. Fuck, I just said it. I said it. Oh my god, I said it. So I it, said it. It's because it's not paved. It's it's because it's it's because it's got the grass to the the edge of the the barrier. Yeah, yeah, and apparently Sebring likes to just not take care of any of their like you know any of the little ditches or ruts or anything like that. Not like they need to, but it definitely it's not like it's the smoothest you know ground there. It's there's still ant hills and all kinds of crazy stuff, and I don't know. They have like. Un, what is it untenuated tire barriers there which is like tires sitting out like not yeah. attached to anything to stay secure so so no, but no i belts, just yeah yeah I, I they just need a tefco barrier kind of thing just run on the outside of that until a certain point that you know for for you know the t1 exit that kind of thing but i really don't like that <laughs> you I don't like, like you said it but you know it's true Yes, yes. I like cars flipping over there too. It's uh it, it you know, it dissipates energy. It looks cool. I love cars flipping. So, bro. Uh, <laughs> drivers are okay, but you know, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's it, a it, fun looking crash. It's it's probably scarier to look at than it is behind the driver's wheel, but dude, like the way that that car sort of bounced up and then flipped over, it's kind of terrifying. And like Sebring is not the only place that it happened. I like I have vivid memories of it happening at most sport with the dive down the hill. I think it was the one of the uh, LMP2 cars, which was like a team that I can't remember. But it was like a, a most partic- part, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, PR, it was was it PR1 in the Ligier? No, that was-, was Road Atlanta when it went off at turn five, oh. and Oli Pla tried to mount the tire barrier at the exit of turn five. This was, um, I, I think it was one of the the Delaras uh, that wasn't a Cadillac. Um, but no, it was. I thought it was a Ligier. I thought I thought that one because it was rain. It was like inclement weather, rain, and it 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 went it was, off at the it, end of the long straight. No, no, this is a different one. This is a different one. I'm talking about where it went down the hill. It was like a uh, Junkers Racing. That was it. Um, where it just came down oh, the hill and like yeah, launched okay. over the tire barrier. I, I, like this is something that seems to happen in America all the time. So yes. Uh, okay. Also, here's the answer. Uh, FIA grades don't really have a a, a, yeah. a a priority or existence here. Yeah, as I, I'm I'm doing wild gesticulations with my hands. Yeah. Uh, as we speak. So because um, yeah, because Europe everything was tailored for Formula One. Here we cut. We we obviously we had a whole ocean separating us, and we were so isolated, and we only really cared. You know, okay, what does our what what does our domestic series need? Yeah. Okay. So, but, so, so, or not even uh, need. So, yeah. So, so and like, it, it just came to the point where, like, oh, p- people are fine with just having the tents, and and obviously the tracks like that because they don't have to pay for the massive sums of money for actual pit garages along pit lane. Yeah. Which, so it's it's, it's like it's it's just a different way of doing things. Cool. As long as that different way isn't unsafe, then I am okay with it. We're moving on. We're moving on. Um. IMSA, let's talk about IMSA. Do we want to do the, the hypercar or the, the GTP report card specifically for the cars that are uh, in GTP but not in hypercar? Uh, basically, Acura, they're fine. BMW improved. 
There we go. BMW got a surprise podium. And, like, if you'd said to me yeah. after looking at the prologue at, oh, at the Raw, that BMW were going to get a podium before Porsche was in IMSA, I would have slapped you silly and then gone, wait, it's IMSA. Literally anything can happen. And it did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you I, I think... W- go ahead, sorry. W- you, watch, you watch WEC for, for you know you know, regular stuff, but then you watch IMSA for the NASCAR chaos. For straight chaos, apparently. Like, this is the thing, right? As a fan of both WC and somewhat of IMSA, I know that when I missed the WC race because it started at 1 in the morning, went through the 9 a.m. on a Friday night, that I was going to have to watch the whole thing to sort of understand what happened. With the IMSA race, I knew that all I had to do was watch the last half an hour because that was the only point of the race where anything that was relevant was going to happen because... It was going to be a shit show from start to finish, and I can't say that I'm wrong. <laughs> Can I? No, 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 no. Yeah. But that's Sebring, you know? Like, it's it's basically like, you know, drivers just getting delirious in their cars because it's too hot, and is it's too that, bumpy, and they're having headaches, Sebring, and they're just like, they want to kill each other. Is that Sebring, yeah. or is that IMSA? This is the question that was posed by Kiwi in our pre, pre-podcast discussion, and I'm going to pose it here now. Is that Sebring or is that IMSA? It's both, because it's, it's Sebring and people want to win it, and it's IMSA because um, driver standards are different in the and, U.S. And there's way more cars on track compared to a WEC round. This is right. true. So we had 36 cars on track or 37 cars on track for WEC. We had 53 cars on yep. track for the IMSA race. That is almost a car every 100 meters, let alone thinking about the speed difference between these cars. Which is- also was played a huge factor in the end of the IMSA 12-hour race. So, here we go. This traffic, is- traffic, traffic. This, this, is, this is true. So, the, the few questions I want to pose here. Uh, was there too many cars? Do we need to think about a minimum driving standard and a minimum license for being involved in these marquee events? How do we fix this problem, and what makes IMSA worth watching? If I'm gonna, if if I'm only gonna watch the last half hour or last hour, why would I watch the rest of it? Uh, well, the okay, so no, no, and the reason why you would, yeah, like you make a good point. They should stop doing the stupid wave arounds and other stuff, and being super crazy caution heavy at the end of the races because yeah, it does take away from the the aspect of okay, well, you know, I want to see how the race plays out and who's actually better or not instead of like okay who gets the lucky breaks so that they just line up right behind somebody with fresher tires and then is in a better spot strategically for no reason so i'll give you that but i thought it was a great race uh and uh, the difference is that like it's just a, it's a regional series and that um the acceptable standards of racing for the drivers in them are going to be slightly different there's there was a lot more am drivers um that mm. were competing in there i think it's also just the the level of I don't want to say the talent field, but just like when people are approaching that series, like there is a driving standard difference between I feel like IMSA driving and WC driving. There's a little bit more like you're in the US, so there's a bit more bump and run kind of thing. Like all I, I don't like I, I don't think it's 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 a massive thing of like, okay, this is just very loud. It's out in the open, but I do feel like, you know, Formula One drivers coming from Formula One drive differently in IndyCar. I mean, like, and it's not necessarily because IndyCar is a spec series, but it's also because IndyCar just races in the United States. And there's just the way that Americans are used to driving, or at least how the battles work and the legendary stuff is slightly different. Like, 
Um, you know, there's just so many, so many legendary moves and battles and stuff like that that have gone down in history, specifically in the United States, that are just like beating and banging or like almost shorting a course, you know, like yeah. doing something crazy. And those are the memorable moments that are, that are remembered. And I think that, you know, just that is almost subconsciously a thing that, you know, goes through driver's heads, especially when they're racing in these series like that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they, they they could definitely have like a Mario and Dreddy figure like get up there and start demanding better driving standards for him. But at the same time, like there are, you know, if anything that needs to be done, just improve the safety for the courses. <laughs> just make sure that the drivers all can walk away when they run into each other. But yeah, fair. Um, I don't know. I don't. And as an American, I'm I'm numb to it, so I don't really have a problem with it because I I just. I don't mind it. It's enjoyable to me. So okay, well, that, I just uh, don't like the stupid wave around stuff. That's annoying. That is annoying. Um, but I would I would argue that that almost has to be a safety place, a safety procedure in place when you have, as I said, fifty three damn cars in five different classes on the same. More track. cars? Huh? What are you talking about, man? More cars? I want more cars. Yeah, I want I, I want as maximum amount of cars as humanly possible on the track at all times. I do think the limit is uh, sixty, like Daytona. So because you it, had. They fit sixty one or sixty two cars at Sebring before, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's there's it's basically like Lamar cap. That's basically it. So. Well, the difference the difference in 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 this instance though is that Lamar is what thirteen point six kilometers. So sixty cars are uh, around thirteen point six kilometers. Every car has like two hundred meters of track, and like that's uh, uh, you know not enough sometimes. At Sebring, every car has like a hundred meters, and that's clearly not enough given how bumpy, how uh, narrow, and how uh, you know difficult the race, the track is. Um, that, like, man, I, yeah, I, like despite Makes it tough. Despite what Jeb said in our Daytona podcast about LMP3 being a direct line from region, like the lower series into the main game, I would make a strong argument that having LMP3 class with the amount of amateurs in it with the speed of the cars with how cluttered it makes the 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 grid in the top in the top category of IMSA Weather Tech Sports Car Championship I think it's not appropriate to have the LMP3 class in that category so we shall see what happens to that in the future Oh, well, they're going to they're going to end after this year anyway. So yeah, you you you're probably going to get your wish because uh, it seems like the writing is on the wall for the team because we just had reports this past week that a bunch of like eight, like five or six LMP3 teams are eyeing up LMP2 programs for next yeah. year. So it, it's a little bit of a monkey's paw. LMP3 is gone, but the drivers move up or wrong into faster cars. Oh joy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Bloody hell. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll kind of circle around uh, a little bit of a loop-de-loop, and uh, I want to make a point as well that uh, while you know we were just standing on the wave around, uh, as I mentioned, I think that's a bit of a, a safety thing. But also, if I was going to the 12 hours of Sebring, and I was watching the 12 hours of Sebring, and I had a cumulative four hours of full-course yellow, including how much in the last hour, including, I think, 35 minutes of the last hour under full-course yellow... I'd be pretty miffed. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's not really uh, a 12 hours of Sebring at that point. It's like an 8 hours of Sebring in the middle. It's really a tough position because in, like people you know, complain and waffle about you know, abusing full-course yellows and code 60s for IMSA. They probably can't because uh, I believe legally speaking in North America, you can't have marshals go over the wall on active racetrack. 
you have to new actually I, marshals can't go, go over the track period mm. like in Europe or maybe Australia where they can just go out under a full course yellow or code 60 and pick up a piece of debris or whatever we can't do that in the states and I would imagine it's because of you know insurance reasons where if they allow them to do that under an active racetrack insurance rates skyrocket and that leads to them not affording you know not being yep. able to afford and, and so, IMSA, IMSA people, has its own like trackside recovery team as well so like none of the flag marshals do any trackside recovery at all this is correct they use the american uh, amr medical response team mm-hmm. so they have they have they get or for met for their medical workers and then they have uh, actual track workers like in, in the trucks you see mm-hmm. and, and and another point uh this is uh a, a quote from jeb when you look when you watch an imsa race and you see a you know a car that crashed or a car that was stranded, and you see a bunch of those trucks. You know, a lot of people make the jokes like, "Why are all those trucks there?" Uh, there's actually a good reason for those trucks. Uh, so basically, one or two of them will act as crush trucks, basically blocking the view of the accident. So if a car, heaven forbid, lo- loses control, it hits the truck and the trucks are not like high up in the ground where they're gonna you know um basically bianchi it is it, it, a rough way of saying yeah it. they're not they're not hot if you, but basically it's it's a way so they get hit by they hit the trucks instead not, of the, not active, the people yeah and not the not the yeah, yeah, not the active uh situation where there's workers on the ground in the car that's the, so it, it's tough because insurance reasons suck i think we can all acknowledge that and plus it's yeah i think i i really wish that maybe if there's like they can utilize the full course yellows because i think that would really fix everything because i think the the caution procedure would be fine if there wasn't as many cautions i think like because i think it's a neat it's a different way of doing it and uh the people who complain about it are uh not going to be happy because lamont and sro are going to be utilizing the same procedure except the class splits Mm. But they're gonna be ba- like, they're gonna have a like even Lamont like they're you're gonna have a safety car. If you're ahead of the class leader, you're you're going all the way up to the back of the line. So they're doing that whole procedure with Lamont and SRO. So it's like, well, we're we're gonna have more of this. So buckle up. Look, it's not so much that that I have a problem with. It's the fact that every minor incident and i'm and like for a lot of times it is minor incidents so like of course the the you know eight car fracar at the end is a different story but uh you know every minor incident requires a 25 minute period of you know a break in racing uh and like i'm looking at the 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 caution periods there's a there's a flag analysis on results.imsa.com which shows you when the cautions were called and how long they were and each of them are 25 minutes long and it's like that's that's you know that's a lot of racing that you're not doing for things that are as simple as picking up a piece of debris or you know moving a car off the side of a circuit so it's it's one of those to me it's it's you're taking away racing for you know you you're neutralizing it for for too long for 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 reasons that you know you sh- you shouldn't really be doing it but that's that's just me as an outsider's thing that's why i said i can just watch the last hour of the race and know all that was worth knowing about the race effectively and and and, and another thing if we're going to compare the two different series wec will only have 30 something cars in a race and most likely not all of them are going to pit during a 
you know, you know a full Corsello or something along those lines. Yeah. IMSA, you easily have over 30, 40, even 50 cars. And considering the fact that, let's see, three of the classes are Pro-Am and Am, and those pit crews may not exactly be, you know, professionals or they're just they're just doing it for like you 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 know what I mean. They're not top of the line. They're usually people who volunteer or are not as experienced. That can create a dangerous situation on pit road where you have fifty fifty something cars all going in at once with all those people. So like. It, it's tough. I, mm. Well, it's. I, I want to pose but, then: is that sustainable? Is that something that it sh- we should sh- like? Sh- you know, Cookie said, you know, give me more cars, give me more chaos, give me more of that. But like, is there a point, and are we at that point where in safety paramounts car count? And to 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 drive this point home, uh, I'm going to read a section from uh, the Daily Sports Car. What did we learn from the Super Sebring? So this is Graham Goodwin's editorial, basically. Um, he said, uh, "Should there be, should, there surely should be a minimum standard applied to allow drivers to compete at a championship at this level to ensure their own and their competitors' safety? Should they be have a, should they have a rookie test for bronze drivers?" before the race like SRO does you know should we be putting in a minimum standard and should we you know take some cars out because yeah like 56 cars if you got 56 cars on pit road that's crazy if you got 56 cars on the track that's crazy if you've got 56 cars starting behind the safety car that's also kind of crazy you know you could argue that's why we're having all these incidents why we're having these cautions so close together I think I agree with a minimum standard. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you have to have competed in IMSA before and have to be shown at least competent, or something along those lines, like the like the support series or something. Like uh, that's that was one of the problems with the Protest Challenge. Um, they would just bring in any old guy off the street with a bunch of money, to put him in one of those Protest Challenge cars, and it'll just cause absolute mayhem. So I, I, I do think, especially if they're getting rid of LMP3, like if you're racing LMP2, chances are, A, a bunch of these guys already raced before. Mm. B, they already raced in IMSA supports in the past or other racing experience, WEC, ELMS, et cetera, et cetera. I, so, yeah, I, I do think there's I, – I think I do agree on that. I think there should be at least yeah. some form of minimum uh, precedent set there. Some people will complain and act like, oh, it's a good old boys club, or they're just choosing who and yeah. what the race. And people are, but this isn't your, this isn't, this isn't like the IMSA where they were like, you know, struggling for entries and it was just a, you know, regional, you know, it's, it's really grown past the point of that, I yeah. think. Yeah, I, I so tend I, to agree. So um, I, I, I do, I do agree with a minimum standard on that. Cookie, you're awfully quiet. Boo, all of you! What's wrong with you people? No, um, no, I, I, I mean, I think I'll, I think the market will correct itself. Um, you definitely have a lot of uh, classes that didn't necessarily have to, um, or had the ability to fill themselves or to be competitive in terms of needing to beat out another team to be on the grid outside of like Daytona or something like that, especially this year. So I think this is kind of new territory for a lot of people where next year is going to be selective. Um, we're looking at even more cars entering that 
previously are, have not entered um, teams that are going to be switching over that kind of thing. So I, I have a feeling that the driving standards will just increase by the competitiveness of the teams trying to enter this championship. Um, and then again, just to stress that this is just something that we haven't, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to be in this position because I mean, I don't know if we'd be even remotely wanted to talk about this, uh, you know, I don't even know, like two years ago. Yeah. I mean, we were still, we were talking about 30, 30, you know, just over 30 car grids for the 12 hours of Sebring in November of 2021. So, well, we were, or 2020. We were talking about, uh, Daytona not that long ago, having 39 cars for the 24 hour. So... So yeah, I think I think it's a knee jerk observation. I, I I'm not gonna say it's a reaction or anything yet. I, I just think it's it's too soon to implement some driving standards on this yet, specifically with what we're gonna see coming up. And two, because it's just like uh, yeah, I I I didn't find the amount of uh the, with the driving standards acceptable at Sebring. Um, but I don't think that that is a average of the Sebring uh, or of the IMSA field. It could just be an outlier specifically of being Sebring and, you know, getting used to the level of LMDH hybrid cars, all that stuff. You know, I, I do think that sure. More cars will be um, the higher chance for cautions after uh, cautions are to come out, but I don't know. Um, like again, nothing, nothing seemed to leap out to me that uh, I would, I would feel like it was, pointing directly at the driving standards i just thought that was um just some of the stuff was unfortunate that uh how it ended and how you know we we did get more cautions after certain stuff but uh, i don't know I, I didn't really see a lot of it being uh too much on the driving standards outside of a couple of key incidents so okay that's fair not enough. not enough to do any changes in my opinion that's so. fair enough um, I will just uh, finish up on this conversation by sharing a, a tweet by Antonio Garcia, who was driver of the GTD Pro Corvette. Um, he said after the race, uh, sharing the overhead image of the crash that you know took out both Porsches and the, the leader of the GTP class at the time. Um, uh, we went from a great show to a shit show. Um, uh, it was the third time I was turned around or used as a braking device in the last 30 minutes. Uh, and that's pretty damning, especially if you're in a, a GTD pro car. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, for, I for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, understand it's that, not like rubbing's racing, but also like rubbing, uh, racing isn't, you know, using other drivers and other cars as braking support. For sure. Um, then that's something that the, the race control needs to be monitoring more and cracking down on. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't see where setting a drive, like setting a driving stand is going to fix anything. Cause if anything, I don't think that's the dentists that are rubbing into Antonio Garcia. At least it doesn't seem like it to me unless, unless like that's what he was referring to was a lot of the amateur drivers are just using him as a, as an extra braking tool. But that just seems kind of more like the GTPs and other guys are just kind of like nudging him through the corner or at least just trying to slide it in. Unless it's, again, unless he's talking about LMP2 and LMP3. Mm, but yeah. I'm just not, I'm not sure what, uh, like who in these specific references he's talking to or talking about. Because if it's, if it's like pro drivers that are doing that, then yeah, that's, 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 you know, we, that needs to be a whole other conversation being yeah. talked about. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time. Let's just quickly talk about IMSA results. Uh, number 31 won the race uh, after, you know, the top three sepakooed themselves. Um, LMP2 winner, uh, John Ferrano, Tower Events, uh, Tower Motorsports uh, with uh, Simpson and Scott McLaughlin. What? Yeah, wow. 
Uh, not overall that, podium. Not that I didn't expect him to win, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the overall podium too. And that was after uh, they were involved in an accident a couple hours uh, before the end. Yeah. Yep. Wild. Absolutely wild with that. Um, LMP3 leaders were the Riley, Guy Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Josh Burden, uh, another Australian on the podium or on, winning that race there. So awesome for the class win there. Um, FAF Motorsport took GTD Pro. They have won, FAF Motorsport, just quietly, half of all GTD Pro races that have happened so far. Half of them. How did they not get a GTP deal or anything to go run that LMDH? I don't, I don't know. Like they, they should be running. They should be like the first privateer running a, a LMDH for Porsche. Well, they were, they're Canadian, so they're, they, they saw that other people were interested. It's like, no, oh, no, no, after you. Oh, after you. Oh, <laughs> yep. sorry, well, sorry, sorry, sorry. Did I skip you? Like, would it be uh, crazy to think that? Uh, Faf might be running the uh, Porsche factory GTD program or the factory GT3 program for uh, WC soon. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they can expand to that yeah. many cars. I don't know. I don't know what their situation looks like, but like, holy God. They're, I mean, they've, they're killing with their driveline and some setups. Lawrence Vantor is awesome. Um, especially just that their lineup in that Faf uh, car is just crazy. So I, I like it. none of this surprises me. It's just kind of like, you know, I, I would almost want to see it. Like, I feel like they're just killing everybody. They're crushing everybody in GTD Pro. So it's just, all right, well, go do something better, you know, and yeah. they have the opportunity with Porsche. So that's kind of where my thing is like, all right, you guys are just killing it. Let's like start doing something, something, better. <laughs> something better kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Which speaks a lot to how good their uh, their their team is right now. Yeah. Uh, and GTD was won by the number one, Brian Sellers, uh, Matt Snow, and Corey Lewis. Formula yep. Racing. Yeah. Cool, cool. They are very good at the racing. At the racing. At the Paul Miller racing. Uh, wrap yes. up Super Sebring. Uh, there's been a lot of supposition going around at the moment that this will be the last Super Sebring. What yeah, happens next for uh, Super Sebring? Do we see Super Sebring next year? No. No? Why, Cookie? Because they, uh, because uh, WC, well, because of all this stuff, Qatar and um, uh, the prologue kind of isn't great for uh, WC running at Sebring because it's completely useless for actual, like, legitimate data outside of it. Does my car run well in bumps? Yes, no, okay, well, then here we go. Here's the next race. Um, And then Friday is awful because uh, it's just. Uh, they can't bring as many um, specific sponsors and fans in to see the race because it's a weekday, not a weekend. So that really kills it too. Um, and it's you know it's not even necessarily that they're playing second fiddle to the race, but they are playing it you know second fiddle to the race weekend. Um, so like I feel like if they could somehow have it where the twelve hour Sebring was racing on Sunday and they race on Saturday, that would be the absolutely perfect world. But that's just not how it works. Um, and they're not going to race after 12 hours of Sebring. So in terms of like the logistics for this week, uh, for the like, current way, I don't see how that works. Uh, I've heard potentially they do it later in the year. I've even heard that they're maybe looking at doing it a week earlier than Sebring. So mm-hmm. that they would, the weekend before the 12 hours of Sebring would be the WC round, which would be unbelievable for people that would be camping there. Because uh, it would just be two weeks. You just be there for an entire, like both weekends um, and not even move. So I'm all about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah so 
And um, yeah, so it, uh, obviously then, you know, Penske, everybody assumes they're going to do a, a WEC race in um, in Indianapolis eventually because, uh, you know, his influence is uh, infinite and almighty. He is the motorsport lord. Yeah. Um, and so, Penske, yeah. I, Penske is bigger than the WEC. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, he's bigger than everything pretty much. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, I think the cars are against them doing the same weekend next year. Um, my fingers are crossed that they do something back to back that would be great um and or if they end up going to another um american track that isn't indianapolis um i would or coda i would be i would love that uh just to mix it up a little bit but uh yeah it would it would suck to see them go although though, at the same time and i think i said this to graham too when he was stopping by our campsite uh it was just kind of i think the thing too is the 12 hours of sebring is just that is the 12 hours of sebring yeah. and it, at, at my whole opinion would just be if, if anything, if you're going to try to continue Super Sebring, you find a way to like merge them a la 2012 or do something like that where it is a single race and you're working out points or something like that somehow in a, in a different thing, but everybody's just competing for the same honors and the same overall win. Like that's how it should go and not do the two races. Um, that would be my way to do it. But then again, they've made so much money from this and so much attention from it being a super sebring event i don't think they're going to just try to like they would ever want to go let's just merge because mm-hmm. they know that they can make money with two separate events so well, like, um if we're struggling with 56 cars on track uh for just imsa how are we going to get the entire wc field uh into that as well uh yeah it'd be like 20 it'd be like 2012 all over again, you like that race? Yeah, yeah, that uh, was that was fun. I enjoyed that. I know everybody didn't that, like that, but I loved that. That, that was, was great. A blight on sports cars history. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Um, well, I have a supplementary uh, supposition or proposition. Um, okay. What if you uh ran the super well the Sebring twelve hours uh a bit more like Le Mans, where you have every IMSA entry gets an automatic entry into the Super Sebring, but you invite the GT, the hypercars from WEC and like when they're all on GT3 platforms, like some of the GT cars, like, and you have like a capped 50 car grid and you have, yeah, like mostly IMSA, but also like a sprinkling of WEC to have it as a, as a kind of pseudo standalone, kind of like Le Mans. Would, would that be something that would be, uh, interesting to the american it would be audience. In- i mean it'd be interesting to make an audience but i don't see them biting on it unless you know like unless they or their expenses were paid for something so my, my whole thing was like you have to incentivize it and it's mm. really it's really stupidly hard to incentivize something where you can't give anybody points you can't really give anybody any acclaim the only thing that i could think of which is i no 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 is that's how you get a third car or that's how you get more than two factory cars. You have yeah. to enter 12 hours of Sebring and compete in the 12 hours of Sebring. And then you are officially allowed to use more than one or two chassis of your manufacturer type or something like that. Yeah. Like okay. Your people that are entering three cars, they have to enter in the 12 hours of Sebring with that extra car or something in order for them to be allowed to run that at the 24 hours of law. Yeah. You can do something like that where it's just enough incentive potentially to get some of these teams out here to at least race in the 12 hours of Sebring, even though there might not be points available to them uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. So maybe something like that. Fair enough. Um, 
one round back, you said uh, somewhere other than Coda or Indianapolis for a WC race. Obviously, there needs to be a WC race in America because it's a world championship and there's a market in America. So much money right now. God, there's so much money right now in the U.S. that's willing to be spent on motorsports. It's stupid. It's crazy. Why not Indianapolis or Coda? Why not those two? Because I don't like those personally. So. Yeah. Um, they're currently currently doing upgrades to Laguna Seca. I mean, obviously that's not quite a big enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, made myself laugh at that. No, uh, Coda, uh, Coda needs to go away. It, um, I, I mean, at least the 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 people managing Coda need to go away. So until they go away, which they won't, uh, Coda needs to go away because it just does not know how to operate or run anything remotely like a normal motorsport venue, and they're crazy. Uh, so yeah, Coda's. I don't want to ever see WC going back to Coda because they're just going to mess it up and make it all really, really bad experience again for WC fans, which have already stated their opinions quite obviously on previous Coda rounds uh, the World Endurance Championship. So and also the no one races Coda. at the WC are kind of crap. The only the yeah, only good ones I can think of uh, was when it like pissed down with rain. Rain, yeah. Wow, yeah. Like it completely randomly just compl- just downpoured and had like some parts of the track were completely just glazed over with water like Audi's yeah. just running it was, into it was not like the tire world endurance championship it was the world sailboat championship at that point yeah um and uh pivoting exactly to Indy, that's not really a great venue either and um i'm sure they're not going to make anything available really fan friendly like i doubt they're going to open up the uh golf course areas where you can like kind of walk on the other side of the uh, backstretch in the infield and do a bunch of that other stuff to allow fans to actually observe the track and it's just it's not really it's a flat like not like even the corners at indianapolis and the infield aren't interesting to me like yeah, there's just fair. nothing that's appealing to that track so well, i i'm sure indianapolis will do really well when it will become a permanent member of the wc calendar in like two or three years i just don't want to see it ever in on there but it will. So don't worry, people. It will happen. Okay. Well, I hate agreeing with you mostly, but I do. I'm not really a big fan of Indianapolis Road Course. Chris, where else can the WC go in, in the US? If it's not going to be at Sebring, if it's not going to be at Coda, and if we don't want it at Indianapolis, even though it's going to end up at Indianapolis, like what other suggestions are there? Right well, Atlanta. Yeah, Endurance Info is actually pointing. Uh, they're thinking of maybe doing... Uh, Super Petite, where WEC would race on the weekend before Petite Le Mans, but that'll open up a whole can of a can of worms of uh, potentially clashing with ELMS season finale. Mm. So I don't know how viable that will be, but I think that would be a very fun uh, compromise. I think because I think people wouldn't mind having WEC at Road Atlanta, and me personally, I, I think that might be for the best. Because I would love to see, like, Toyota and Ferrari and all these big people, all these big teams race in the 12-hour. Because that, that's the big race. Mm. Like, I want to go back to the times where you had the American Le Mans series on oh, its regulars there, but then you had you know, the likes of Audi and Peugeot. Uh. And, 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 and I, I, I want to go back to, um, a period, a, to a period where that's able to happen. Where Toyota can come, Peugeot can come, and Amsa fixes their, uh, um, you know, car, you know, has to be made in America. You know, Why are you guys to... so obsessed with the 2012 12 hours of Sebring? That was so bad. 
No, we're it's, not talking about combined racing, Flood. We're not? We're talking, no, Good. we're talking WEC teams running, just entering the IMSA race. That's all we're talking about. Oh, yeah, no, I suggested that while you were gone, and Cookie was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like I, that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the only way you could incentivize that logically would be to open that up only available. You could run a third car at Le Mans only if you enter a car or you have a you field fill at the 12 hours Sebring. Do something where you incentivize it. And then, yeah, so then you would just have the hypercars that would be there normally in WC would be like, well, I need a third car at Le Mans. So clearly we need to run at this stupid track and this race. And then they would just race at, at the 12 hours of Sebring. I'm glad you've come around and realized that Sebring is a stupid track. No, I, I'm using, I'm using <laughs> non-American terminology to better relate to our audience. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, okay, okay, we, we gotta, yeah. We're going to wrap this discussion up. So Super Sebring's not happening again. Where does the WC go in America? Is it going to be Indianapolis? Yes. Do we like that? No, but I don't think it's going to be there next year. Okay, cool. So what happens next year then? I don't know. Road, Road Atlanta. Road Atlanta? Not Road America? Yeah. Uh, no, Road America um, doesn't really just... It, it can't do it. It would be great if it could, but it can't. It's like it's like even a worse track than Sebring in terms of accommodations and blah, blah, blah. Oof, that is not a fun time. Um, well, Chris just quickly fixes his internet. Hello again. Welcome back. <laughs> Um, we're, de- we're dealing with winter storm, so internet issues is uh, just gonna chalk it up to that. Wait, wait, oh, okay. this is a this is an endurance race, uh, endurance chat, uh, live update from a blizzard. Oh my god! In northern United States, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, can we keep going with the podcast, please? <laughs> no, I need to derail this. Okay, so oh, uh, so, so super Sebring. Oh uh, no, it's no, no, the no, end. We, 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 uh, what like... happens now? <laughs> Let's talk about the future, please, of the WEC and IMSA. Uh, firstly, um, we have had a post on uh, a LinkedIn, uh, which has been going around uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, the VanWall 1958 Limited uh, has posted on LinkedIn, saying that they are not able to use the VanWall name in Europe Um uh, basically, uh, they were granted provisional grid place for the WEC, uh, pending the results of that entire freaking stupid licensing malarkey. Um, uh, but they are not allowed to use the name Van Wall um, for any WEC races in the EU. So, what happens with Van Wall now? What happens with the 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 Vanderwell, the 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 not by collars? I, I think this give that this might give uh Bicolas a uh get out of jail free card on just having the their car be Bicolas. I think that's what's most likely going to happen because they they show because uh, they have a car. Yeah. I don't I don't know if they're just going to be like okay we understand the legal ramifications of this because from what I understand, if WEC still allows the term Van Wall, like they still promote it on their entry list, their graphics, and they still allow the ter- like the name naming of the car in the EU races, I I mean this is just my pea brain going to work here. I would think that that would put the WEC and the ACO under the gun as well. So I would it would it's either going to be a complete outright hey. You're not racing, at least in the EU, 
or I think which is going to be the most more likely of the two, just a complete strip down of anything Vanwell related and just having the car be by collars or something, something entirely different. Um, but we, we know that the WEC doesn't like their entry names to change. Um, I recall back in like 24 or 15 where they had the Saad Moran's LMP2 car, which, uh, was entered as Saad Moran and paid for as Saad Moran. But it turns out that one half, and I think it was the Saad half, like pulled all of their funding before the season started. But because they were entered as Saad Moran, they had to run as Saad Moran for the entire season. Um, so I, the the WC is in the past previously, you know, been very unhappy with entries not or entries changing their name. And I think that was a similar reason why like Manor never ended up happening because they were entered as CEFC Manor and CEFC just never ended up fronting up any money, so they couldn't they didn't want to run under that name, so they just didn't. Um, so yeah. This whole Van Wall bullshit has been far too complicated, far too much bad press for a, a race car to happen. Like, why would you go to all of this effort, Cookie, to just have to fight in court to use a, a name? Surely there are more simple ways to, to use a brand name for running in the WC, right? Well, you would think, um, you know, it, it's... Look, I, I'm I'm almost at the, the point now where this is this is kind of on the FIA. This is I, I'm not really gonna cite. I mean, obviously, Colin Collins is you know whatever he's he's whatever. I don't even want to talk <laughs> about him too much anyway. But um, the guy wants to race a race car. Um, he doesn't have a manufacturer, an OEM, um, even a private one like Jim Lickenhouse manufacturing a vehicle he just builds race cars because he wants to build a race car and go race it at wc endurance races there Le Mans. like that's what the guy wants to do so um and the the also the other problem is that his compatriot in the u.s jim glickenhaus is extremely outspoken about the aspects that he's not allowed to do this or that because he is a very small boutique manufacturer and he's not one of the big guys so effectively what you have is a very well i mean jim glickenhaus is rich but another yeah. very, very rich guy with very rich backers who essentially is just going, all right, well, I'm now going to just start using legal means to, you know, try to outmaneuver the FIA or ACO's way of trying to keep me out because they just don't want me to race here, but I want to. So it's just a question of now Colin versus the FIA and the ACO going back and forth about a thing of which he wants to race a car in a series that essentially, I guess, doesn't want him to race there anymore. And he just is like, no, I'm going to race here and I'm going to use weird means necessary so I can do it. I think the Van Wall thing has came back in his face a bit. Um, but I, I don't see where this doesn't, he doesn't pivot to try something else. I mean, I, to the, to the same aspect, what is Soto uh, Frank, uh, Frakiti doing? Yeah. How is that any different? They just have way, way more rich, uh, you know, backers to be doing this. They actually have the the financial and physical location to actually start doing this a little bit more effectively and efficiently. Even though I don't even know what Collins' uh, background is, but I, I mean, they're just literally using an IP that they at least own. That's like the last car that they made was like a hundred years ago. Well, I mean, so it's, I, it's a similar thing for Van Wall, clearly, but like 
the the thing is, I, I guess, is that Colors like doesn't the, the actually sh- own the my, IP. My point, well, I, I get it, but like the, the point stands is that like if they're going to make this stupid, weird little rule, and then you're going to have different ways of getting around this rule to to race your single make uh, to literally your team's car that they just make race cars and they don't really do anything else like then make that the hard line in the sand don't like then kick out a soto kick out van wall kick out glickenhaus if they're not meeting the requirements do those things because that's what you said and don't like tiptoe around this weird little rule that you've put in place so either get rid of it or in, in, enforce it like we're it, this it, it's now to the point where i i'm i'm not i'm not upset at at colors for doing any of this and for being an idiot when it comes to van wall and clearly using their ip when they have it and it just stinks that they're not doing more with it like the people owning van wall ip but whatever he they don't own it or they own it so i i just this is now starting to be on the FIA, in my opinion. Like they need to, they need to be firm and they need to be clear with where they feel these cars should be at and whether they should be allowed to race in these uh, championships. I, I think at this point, this whole boutique manufacturer needs to just go away, just kill it. They clearly have the OEMs. If the OEMs want to bitch enough that um, somebody who's spending uh, like $40 million out of their own billionaire pocket is beating them. Well, congratulations. You're now like formula one. That's just kind of how it goes. If, you know, if Aston Martin's going to start to become the next red bull, then we basically have, you know, F1 dominated by non OEM marks over there, still putting on a good show. So if that's how we're going to pivot to in WC, that should, that should be it. I, I just think that this is stupid. This is, you're right. It's gone far too long, but this isn't on Van Wall or by calls anymore. This is on, the FIA for not doing anything about like clear enforcement of their policy that they decided to put in, in force to all of these weird little boutique manufacturers and teams. So there we go. There's some, there's a rant. Hot damn. I had one in there. Hot damn. And just, just so people were aware before we were talking about, or like what, before we started recording this episode, cookie was like, no, I'm pretty happy with how everything's going. I don't think I have a rant in me today. Hot damn. That was a <laughs> rant and a half. Um, I was. I was you, feeling it. You raised some good points, though. Um, yeah, it's it's a kind of a weird spot because I don't think you want to exclude these privateers, but also you've put a provision in place which is kind of unattainable without doing stuff like this. Like, right. you know, the only reason Glickenhaus is allowed to race is because they race in GTX. Because it's not actually GT3 that they're, they're, um, that the SCG006 well, is in. It's in, like, SPX in uh Nürburgring uh well, they actually, they they build other cars too so that that's like they have the Baja buggy and i believe they like they're they're building stuff yeah um so you know you have that provision but like also yeah i saw the Frankiti and uh and van wall this whole thing with van wall has just been an absolute mess um i don't understand like just why you would go to all of this trouble to 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 suck to be at the very back of the grid, but that's fine. Um, and then the fi- the other thing as well is like it, someone's in, even suggesting a Di Tommaso uh, LMH. I, I think that was reported on Daily Sports Car. <laughs> yep. Which is another yep. boutique boutique brand that like people who aren't uh, who who are under twenty uh, twenty haven't even heard of. Like when that news broke, people were like, "Di who?" So like yeah, this is a, it's a bit of a weird thing. So I'm I'm not exactly sure what the the answer is, but I know the answer isn't by collars at the moment. Right. the The next question too is that if 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 these weird little one make and 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 off 
brand non-hybrid um, privateer cars are. And I mean, we're looking at again where it's LMH and LM, you know, or uh, and privateer, like where you have yeah. a factory and privateers. So then, you know, so it's LMH, it's uh, hybrid and non-hybrids, yeah, essentially. Yeah, LMP1 and LMP1P, which, you know. We're who, back to the same thing. And so. who remembers LMP1P? Does anyone remember <laughs> LMP1P? No, no one does. Oh, I do. Oh, Rebellion does. Oh, Rebellion? Who are they? <laughs> oh, they'll tell you how many times they won LMP1P. <laughs> the only thing I care about Rebellion's LMP1P days is they got one, they got two overall podiums, and one of them was because a car got excluded post-race in 2016, which was easily the best year of WEC competition, I think, uh, ever. Yeah, I'm sure Bes- it was. Besides Lamar, sorry, sorry, Cookie. Well, I mean, Lamar was amazing yeah, sure. until, like, the last three minutes, so... Well, I, and Lamar was amazing, period, unless you were a Toyota fan. It was I mean, it was a fantastic Lamar. It was, I, it, I like, mean, it still was a fantastic Lamar. It was just also heart-wrenching, so, you know. Yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. um, again, back to the back to the future. Uh, two weeks away, we're in Portimao. Holy crap! I'm not used to seeing so, so many WC races so close together, because two weeks after that, we're in Spa-Francorchamps. Holy cow! Yeah, this feels like it's the uh, August or like that September October run yeah. or August kind of, or uh, even way back in the day where you had that Germany round and then it would like every go, three weeks I don't know, a new race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is uh, yeah, this is strange. This is definitely strange. But there's like a lot of F1 coming up too. I mean, it's, yeah, but uh, who cares about F1? We're definitely not watching F1 practice right now on my other screen. Um, uh, more cars for Portimao. Um, I think uh, we may be seeing uh. Actually, I'm not sure if there's more cars for Portimao, but we'll be seeing cars at Portimao soon. Um, two more LMH entries. Uh, no, hypercar entries for Spa yes. Francorchamps that just broke. Um, a second Cadillac, which is quite exciting. And the first LMDH customer car. The Hertz Joda is going to roll out at Spa. It's on the entry list. It's going to happen, probably, asterisk. Um, but if there are results in LMP2, or sorry, yeah, LMP2, or anything to go by, that gold Porsche is going to be... Up in the mix, which is which is which is going to be a good time. Yeah, good times. Uh, let's let's just see if they can actually do anything at the front of the field. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, if we compare hypercar to like Group C, um, part of the the magic of Porsche and Group C was the fact that all of their customers were as competitive as the factory team were. You know, you think of Yost, you think of Kramer, you think of. Oh no no! I, oh, I totally get that. They they might even beat the the factory teams. I'm just if that Porsche is a is is a pig, you know, you can't put enough lipstick on it. I mean, no, the the pink pig raced in GTD Pro a few years ago. Oh. That's a, this is a oh, different. Oh, car. okay. Oh, all right, all right. Well, <laughs> it's um, uh, hey, uh, hey, hey, Flood. Welcome to the Toyota versus Porsche thing. I got a lot of uh, aggression and and pent up. You know, frustration and uh, you know, sadness to work through after you, you, you guys you've just been holding beat, beat us up angst. for uh, you've been holding on to for this years for and years. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's too early for me to bring any of that out. But uh, no, it's not. Cookie, no, it's not. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, your thoughts, Portimao. Uh, are you? What are you excited most for in seeing Portimao in a few weeks' time? Uh, having it be over so we can get the spa. Wow! <laughs> Sorry, I I don't I I don't rate Portimao that much. What? What? Uh, it's got the it's it's got the Floodman uh, Sebring vibe to it. I, I'm feeling okay. I yeah, actually I, like Portimao. This is it's, it's fun. This is this is what? This is I I, yeah. I, I, I will not stand for this Portimao slander. Yeah, yeah I don't even know where this came yeah, from. This I, is... I, there's uh 
I'm look. I'll be looking. Let's just say this: I'm more looking forward to the NLS race that same weekend. Wow! <laughs> Dang! All right, I mean, you know what? Fair, That's a take. That's a fair, take. That's solid. That's... The Nurburgring is like the Nordschleifer is amazing, but I, I, what, what's wrong with Portimao? What's wrong with Portimao? <laughs> I, I, it's just there's better there's, there's better tracks out there. It's like I, I no, okay, like, no, 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 no. You can't just say oh, there's better tracks. Give me reasons. I want I want like an itemized list of all the things that are wrong with Portimao. I, I bet you Chris would like it if there were more trees on the track, like around oh the track. God. Don't even. I, I bet you that's it, right? Is that right, Chris? It looks it looks kind of weird just being like a track on a bunch of random hills. Is that it? Does it just look strange? No, I it, it, it's great that has. I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Same with Hockenheim. I mean, yeah, I agree. Hockenheim was neutered ever since they took away the uh, the forest section, though. So. I mean, yeah, I, I like I get Hockenheim, but like Hortimer's got man. elevation. I, I, it's got yeah. corners. It's got like that's like that's like hating on Malaysia. Yeah, like or, how, or you, Sepang, how did you say I, such I, a I thing? Say. I thought we were all friends here. Now I find we out hate Malaysia. Don't hang out, Sepang. God damn. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I, it just doesn't ex- like when 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 people when they, when. Series are racing at, at Portimao. I just don't get the you know the same excitement as God. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Kind of like that this... uh, Hungora Ring is like that with me too. I don't like that track. Yeah, but Hungora Ring's this kind of Mickey Mouse track where there's not really any cool. Oh, there's like three cool corners, but like it's it's got not not got a lot of grip, and the corners are really hard to pass. And the only way you get a good race at the Hungora Ring is when there's water. So you know you're relying on the weather and you know, hungry to, you know, put on a good race, which, you know, That's kind true. of does sometimes. It kind of that makes sense. But Portimao, Chris? Portimao? This <laughs> might be, like, the first big riff in Endurance Chat podcast history. This might, this might think, be, this might be. I like, would take Portimao over, over Barber. What? Easy. Easy. Yeah. Portimao's in, like, I, my I, top five tracks. I don't like, I don't like Barber. I, I genuinely do not like that track. I would, I would take Portimao over Barber. You know I, I think it's only fair that if I have this kind of uh, eh for Portimao, I'll allow Cookie to have his opinion uh, <laughs> for Portimao. And, and then I allow Flood to have his shitty take about Sebring. Look, it's there come go. full circle. There we go. <laughs> I can't believe we're friends. <laughs> uh, okay. On that oh, note, I, I think that's let the me, point. Let me rephrase. It's, it's good for bikes. Cars just doesn't do it for me. Okay. Okay, at least you said it's good for bikes. At least you said Barber still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the weekend we're recording this. I mean, NLS is on uh, 140 something cars for that bunch of uh, Nurburgring 24 hopefuls. Uh, weekend after that, cars on that track. God. Yeah, yeah, but it, the track's also 23 kilometers. A cookie. <laughs> No, then, we don't need we don't need facts in this conversation. Then the weekend after Easter, Australian weekend, slams uh, American with facts and logic. Right? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I go mean, ahead. I was gonna say Easter weekend. That's British GT at Olten, French GT Nagaro, uh, GT World Challenge Australia at Bathurst. Bathurst six hour weekend. At, yes. Uh, as well as uh, Bristol Dirt. That's gonna be fun. Nice. Uh, the weekend after is WBC Portobello NLS on that Saturday and IMSA at Long Beach. Wow, that's a and big, then we have, big weekend. Yeah. And then we have uh, ELMS the next weekend after at Barcelona. And then we have uh, WC at Spa the weekend after for the end of April. Blood, who wins IMSA? GTP. Uh, I mean, Cadillac, but also probably Acura. 
Yeah, okay. I see. I I would have gone with Ac- or, 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 I'm sorry, Cadillac. I feel like they just got that edge right there at that the uh, that track. We'll see. Oh well, it is Long Beach, yeah, and Cadillac, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that throaty V8. Well, okay, so uh, what what classes are actually racing at Cadillac? Uh, at Cadillac at Long Beach, because if they have fifty six cars at Long Beach, it's going to be a demolition it, derby. It's GTP, GTD Pro, and GTD. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's actually going to be somewhat sane. Sane at Long Beach? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. No, nope, not at all. How many? Yeah, how many congestions are going to be at the hairpin? Like four? Yes. <laughs> Every single Greater lap. What's going to happen is the first lap, there's going to be a crash at the hairpin. They'll run four, uh, 20 minutes under safety car, and then there'll be another crash at the hairpin under safety car. So I'll run another 20 minutes. No, it's IMSA. So someone will uh, be launched into the water fountain. Oh, yes. Can't wait for that. It kind of weeks me out that there's like no wall around the water fountain. Like, what happens if someone does crash there? Well, maybe they get they, wet. Maybe the show's <laughs> drunk, right? Uh, okay. Carry on. <laughs> and with that... And with that... Looking forward to a great month of April uh, uh, coming up in terms of sports cars. As Chris made mention, WC, IMSA, ELMS all kicking off. Uh, so plenty to be watching on your box. Um, stay tuned for another episode coming soon of from the grandstands. Me and Kiwi will get together on Monday. So uh, we'll And final get- stint. We'll do one too. Uh, yep. where have you, when have you guys got that planned? I don't know. Just now. I'm, Just, uh, we'll figure yeah. it out. We'll figure NASCAR. it out. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking NASCAR. NASCAR, IndyCar. Yeah, yeah, NASCAR we, we, at uh, Circuit of the Americas is going to be a heavy topic, I think. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chris is not happy about that race. Oh, I'm not too, oh. but yeah, Chris is not. <laughs> not pleased. Okay, I'll leave that well enough alone for now. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the sort of different formats that we're throwing at you. We're just trying different things and seeing what we're enjoying the most because that's what's important to us. And if you like it, then that's a huge bonus. And thank you for sticking with us. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Cookie. Thank you, Flood. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Cookie. Thank you, Flood. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening. I've been Michael Zalavari. Peace out! Uh, Gazoo! All right. Well, have fun editing that. <laughs> oh, that's going to be uh that'll be tomorrow afternoon's job after the Grand Prix, I reckon. Wait, is wait, uh, is there a, is it sprint weekend or something? What's no, going on? Um it's oh, Australia. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. You're in Australia. Yeah. Um cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's like actually at a reasonable time for me to watch it with some friends. Are you going to watch it with friends? Yeah, we're going to do it a barbecue. It's going to be really really nice. Oh, nice. I thought you were like, well, it would be the perfect time to watch it with friends, but I'm not. If I had any. Yeah, I was expecting that, like, uh, segue. Well, what happened last year? So, a few friends of mine from work, uh, they're they're Netflix fans. They're Drive to Survive fans. Um, Which which means that, like, they're into F1, but they've only been into F1 for, like, a season and a half. So, we did the Fantasy League last year, and we were all going to catch up together for the F1 race in, uh, like, in Australia. But I got COVID. 
and so we like we didn't end up doing it and the only other race that was in a time zone that didn't mean staying up until midnight to watch a goddamn f1 race was japan which was the same fucking weekend as the bathurst 1000 and of course the bathurst 1000 like i'm riding for daily sports car that weekend so i'm gonna watch the i'm gonna watch bathurst but all my friends like my friends from work and the friends outside of work that i've had for like 20 years who have been in this fantasy league they all caught up without me the oh bastards oh my god yeah so, wow. so we're finally doing it where I'm going to go and watch F1 with some friends in person, which hasn't happened quite literally for like 15 years. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't get sick in the next uh, 24 hours. I'll something. tell you what, or- I'm fucking sick of this. <laughs>